entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. My special guest with me today is my friend, Ari Weinswick. Hi, Ari. Nice to see or hear you from you again, right? Right back at you, sir. Yeah. We're, we're talking, you may hold a record uh, of being uh, uh, the, the, the most guest appearances on the Business Builders show. So maybe we'll send you a plaque or something. I'm not sure, you know. Well, well in the spirit of the pan- in the spirit of the pamphlet, I'm honored, but I I don't think we'll be sending a press release this week to announce it. <laughs> okay, so my guest is Ari, and along with his partner, Paul Saginaw, they founded Zingerman's Deli in 1982. I think that's right, Ari. That is and, totally correct, and, sir. And they have since grown that organization with obviously help from their team members to 12 different businesses in what they call their Zingerman's community of businesses. And these are all in the Ann Arbor, Michigan market, and they employ hundreds of people and they are doing several millions of dollars in revenue every year. It's important to note that Ari is a very prolific writer. And I, I, I know that he is, and he's also a, a very serious reader. He has written four books in his what's called Zingerman's Guide to Good Leading. And he has written several pamphlets, including the pamphlet we are going to discuss today, which the title of that is Humility, a Humble Anarchistic Inquiry. I'm going to say that again. This pamphlet we're talking about today is Humility. The title is Humility, a Humble Anarchistic Inquiry. So, Ari, I guess the obvious question is, what got you started down this road of learning and then writing about humility? Tell me more about that. Absolutely. I certainly would not have forecasted three years ago, this is what you and I would be talking about, but I guess I wouldn't have forecasted we'd be in the middle of a pandemic either. So Mm -hmm. uh, what got me going was I got an email I think it's three years ago this coming spring from a nice woman who used to work for us, Jamie Vanderbroek, inviting me to speak at a symposium they were putting on on campus at University of Michigan about humility. And my immediate reaction in my head was kind of like, I don't know anything about humility. I never talked about humility. I teach, as you said, and write about all sorts of subjects, but humility is not even remotely on the list. We have no internal training on humility at Zingerman's. We, we don't even really talk about it. And I was like, I don't know, I can't speak at that conference, but then Jamie's like such a nice human being and she's so generous of spirit and her husband, Isaac still works for us and he's equally generous of spirit and kind. And I'm like, I, I can't say no. So I said, yes. And, uh, 
fortunately, I had about three months to figure out what I was going to say. And so I started doing what history majors know how to do, which is read books and study and try to figure out something intelligent to offer. And uh, that's how I got going. And then mm. like, like almost every subject, and I think it's kind of the same for you, once we start studying, then it becomes interesting. And then the more interesting, the more I studied, the more I studied, the more interesting it got. And the more I started to realize that although I'd never consciously paid attention to humility, uh, it was everywhere, either in a positive form or its absence was causing a lot of problems. And uh, that's what got me going. And then little did I know it would turn out to be such a timely issue for the year 2020. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, you couldn't have forecasted this as, as you, no, already, I, I, you already mentioned. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, let's mention this person's name right away. You mentioned Dr. Ed, Edgar Schein yep. uh, several times throughout the book. And by yep. the way, I've bought and I've read his book, Humble Consulting. Mm-hmm. How to provide real health faster. So you you mentioned Dr. Shine several times. Uh, why? What's the story behind that? Why why is he part of your book or your pamphlet? I should say on humility. Well, he's a. I mean, I would highly recommend his writing to any manager, leader, business person, thinker. Uh, he's I don't know how many books he's written more than me. Uh, he was born in 1902 which happens to be the same time of the same year that the Delhi building was being built, but that's not why he's in here. Uh, his, his work has influenced me any number of times. Uh, in particular, he wrote an essay back in the mid nineties uh, about leadership and leadership styles and matching the appropriate style to the stage of organizational development at which your business was at. And that essay in particular had a huge impact on me because it showed me that as we were, growing and developing as an organization, I really needed to uh, to change my style of leadership and not that the way I had done it originally was bad. It just was, it was well suited to a very small single business. But then as we had grown, I needed to develop my own skill set. And so that was really uh, informative and helpful. He's, he's probably the, I, I, I think the most prominent writer probably the first major writer about organizational culture, which now is a common conversation, but 30 years ago was not. And uh, anyway, this particular uh, piece, as I was starting to do homework on humility, he has a little wonderful little book called Humble Inquiry, which pushes all of us to go uh, humbly ask questions rather than jump immediately to trying to be experts. And, And so I thought, what better frame to use for this? Uh, this conversation around humility, because it was, in essence, what I was doing was a humble inquiry about humility. Hmm. Isn't it amazing how we read something, we hear something, we we watch a video, we something like that. But books obviously impact, impact both of us. It's amazing how we read something and we integrate that into our hearts and our minds and it, it changes our thinking. We both had experiences through our life. But yeah, I I've looked, uh, I've looked him up, and uh, there's some incredible work from Dr. Edgar Schein. So, humility, the word itself <laughs> might, might be, uh, some people's my reaction say, well, okay, uh, I kind of get it, but is there a place for humility in our work world? And you do address that, but can you talk to us about that now? Yeah, I, I well, two, two, 
uh, other people whose work I've learned a lot from. Uh, one is Adam Grant, who I didn't know when I first started reading his his books. Uh, he's a University of Michigan graduate, for whatever that's worth. But uh, I'll just read what I quoted from Adam because I have it right here in front of me. Uh, he said, humility is a hidden ingredient on great teams. Lots of stars means lots of egos, and lots of egos means infighting. To overcome that problem, you need humility. Humility is having the self-awareness to know that you're good at what you're good at and what you're not good at. Studies show that when you have humility in a team, people are more likely to play for their strengths, to their strengths. So that was one piece. Uh, there's plenty of others, but a, a real big one for me was just uh, the work of uh, Patrick Lencioni, uh, who wrote quite a bit in his book, The Ideal Team Player, uh, which really resonated for me before I was working on this. And he he and he's done clearly years and years of studies around leadership and teams, and and I respect his work enormously. He's also a very funny uh, speaker, but but anyway, he he distills it all down to three characteristics that if you want the ideal team player, you want to have these three characteristics, humble, hungry, and smart. And smart does not mean IQ. It means basically ability to collaborate socially, interact effectively, et cetera. And he says out of those three, humility is the hardest one to do without. So, I mean, I could go on, but those, those two prominent leadership thinkers put humility at the top of their list. And that was enough for me. It's clearly a big piece of it. And I'll be, I'll just add in reflection when I took uh, Patrick's uh, frame of these three characteristics and I reflected back on my now many years of doing this work, I realized that pretty much every single person that I really enjoy working with has those three characteristics. That's interesting. Yeah, it kind of reveal itself, and you kind of you saw that in in, in others. Um, the myth, I guess it's a myth. Well, let's talk about it, of this um, superior human being, this great leader, this person, typically a male. Um, how does that jive? I mean, a lot of us still look at that and say, well, you know, that person is the the one that's going to part the sea for us. How does your thinking in this pamphlet jive with that? Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's a very unhelpful belief. Uh, it's a commonly held belief. Uh, a little bit, my response comes out of the anarchistic part of the title. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I, as you know, I mean, I have a longstanding belief that everybody matters. Everybody is creative. Everybody's capable of doing great things. And I believe pretty strongly that our work in the organization as leaders is to help bring out that greatness in everybody that we have on our teams right and uh without question i mean there are people who lead more effectively but i i, I would suggest that the belief that leaders are born that way is fallacious and really unhelpful uh, it, it leads the other 98 percent of the world which i include me and probably you would include yourself to lead to believe stuff like well we can't do it because we're not martin luther king we're not michael jordan we're not pick your pick your hero right uh, and and then it also I, I, it discourages people from having what i would suggest in hindsight is the, the appropriate level of humility to just understand that whatever we've achieved none of us did it alone uh whatever we've yeah. achieved we've made a million mistakes 
we got a lot of good breaks. Uh, you know, some of us have advantages, social advantages, uh, racial advantages, systemic advantages. We got lucky in some cases. And I'm not saying everything I've achieved or you have or anybody listening is all luck by any means, it's a ton of hard work. But all of those pieces come together and you know, if Paul hadn't called me in the fall of 1981 to talk about opening the deli, who knows where I would have been. And I don't think yeah. I'd be a total loser, but Zingerman <laughs> exists only because of the work of literally thousands of people. And I think it's important to remember yeah. that in, in humility. Yeah. Um, let me uh, remind folks who I'm speaking with, Ari Weinswig. Um, there's two websites that I'd like for you to look at, folks. Um, one is zingermanscommunity.com, zingermanscommunity.com. That's where you'll find a whole lot of stuff about their community of businesses, about Zingerman's, a lot of history, a lot of stuff in there. And then kind of a note uh, around Ari's work and his books and his pamphlets and training. Um, you need to go to zingtrain.com. That's Z-I-N-G, zingtrain.com. Um, you cannot buy Ari's books or his pamphlets anywhere else except on zingtrain.com. Is that still true, Ari? Well, we, we're happy to wholesale to independent shops uh, and then our own businesses sell them. So Zingerman's Press, where we publish them, has them. They're at I'm at the Roadhouse right now. We sell them there at the deli, at our coffee company, et cetera. And then there's some other... A handful of other cool shops around the country, uh, Heath Ceramics out in San Francisco uh, sells them. So we're, we do all the work, uh, the design work and the printing work here in town. And we're right. kind of off the grid in that sense. It's a little bit of the, uh, I always say, brain to book, yeah. the farm to table version of publishing. There you go. The, yeah, the uniqueness of that is is unique. Again, everything that Ari and his team are doing is, are, is within the Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, marketplace, which uh, is from a business case study, is uh, is very unique. So, um, yeah, zingermanscommunity.com, zingtrain.com. You want to go there. There's all kinds of training. There's book. There's books. There's information, all that kind of stuff. So you ask us in this pamphlet, which again is humility, a humble anarchistic inquiry. You ask us, does anyone realize how much the hierarchical thinking that's so pervasive in society is leading? to unhumble behavior. Now, maybe you started to talk about that, but maybe go deeper on that. Absolutely. Uh, so again, this is this is a little bit the anarchistic part. So as you know, I mean, I wrote a, this, this pamphlet's like 45 pages, so nice and short, you can stick it in your pocket almost and carry it around. But uh, I also wrote a 600 page book <laughs> that you cannot carry in your pocket uh, about beliefs. And uh, that was also work that I had given almost no thought to. Uh, in that case, my, my trigger was uh, not somewhere I got asked to speak, but another book, as you referenced, and that was the work of Bob and Judith Wright in their book, Transformed. And uh, I saw this little belief cycle in there that blew my mind because it gave me insight into this problem that I had been completely unable to solve organizationally. So I won't, I don't, it doesn't even matter what the story is, but at this point, but it blew my mind. And I, and I started studying and, and that, that studying really kept going. And I started to understand that beliefs, well, A, we all have a million beliefs, literally. 
uh, about everything from business radio shows to books to people to work to weather to uh, I mean, without getting controversial right now, people have beliefs about coronavirus, people have beliefs about politics, people have beliefs about all sorts of things. And based on our beliefs, we take action. Based on our actions, the people around us form their own beliefs. They in turn take action. And then lo and behold, about 95% of the time, their action reinforces our original belief. So uh, once I understood that, and then secondly, understood that uh, beliefs are not genetic, beliefs are all learned. Mm -hmm. And so when there's a commonly, when we are surrounded by a commonly held belief and everything we see in our family's behavior on the news, et cetera, reinforces that we start to assume that it's true. Right. So like centuries ago, everybody knew that the world was flat. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew that the earth, uh, that the, the sun revolved around the earth, not the other way around. I mean, that was well accepted turned out to be wrong, but it was well accepted. One of the <clears throat> commonly held but little discussed beliefs socially is, is to we've kind of been trained to think hierarchically, right? Like, what's the best? What's the number one? I get asked this all the time, not by you, uh, but, you know, what's the number one thing people need to know? What's your biggest success? What's your biggest failure? What, and, and it's like, why, why are we always thinking that way? <clears throat> if you flip through the news, and I try not to do that too often right now, but if you do, you're going to see like the top 12, the top 10 movies of all time, the top five soul albums of, you know, whatever. And it's like, why are you ranking everything? So really what this started to, to resonate in the context of humility is that it's, if we're all equal, but different, regardless of what we've achieved or failed at, then hierarchy is in conflict with that, right? And so the hierarchical thinking keeps pushing us, like you brought up earlier, to lead to who's this brilliant leader, who's better, who's worse. And then in the context of all the social struggle that has manifested this year, it certainly didn't start this year, it's centuries old, but around race as one conversation, it, it leads to thinking like, well, either my group's better than your group or your group's better than mine, and I don't really want to be worse let's be better. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you come at it from a place of humility, I, I really believe that racism, anti-Semitism, none of that is possible because we're all, we're all unique and different, but we're all on par. Hierarchy leads to the opposite. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> so I guess that this is a beautiful segue into the next thing I was going to ask you. We were, again, you were kind of talking about it. This uh, group identity, mm -hmm. Democrats, Republicans, whatever, on and on and on. Yeah. Group I identity. How is this helping or hurting the whole case for humility? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, so I, I'm not saying it's bad to have a group identity. I mean, clearly we belong to groups that we choose to be part of. What, what, I, what I would suggest is not very helpful, though, is when people start to assign identities to entire groups. It's so common that we don't even notice. So uh, maybe somewhat less so, but I don't know. People say stuff, you know, that we know is not helpful, productive, or okay. Like, 
black people do this, Jewish people do that. And, and at least in the circles I'm in socially, we've learned not to say that for good reason. Mm-hmm. It's an unhelpful stereotype. And yet at the same time, even in that setting, it's still very commonly said stuff like, you know how young people are. Women are going to vote for X because of Y. <laughs> like um, The American people, want, I'm like, it's impossible. Like, I don't even want the same thing as myself, barely, as yesterday, <laughs> let alone would all 300 million people agree li- clearly on anything. <laughs> so the idea that you can suffuse or submerge the, the identity of a single human being into this group, uh, I, I think, demeans the uniqueness of every individual. And I, I don't mean that the statistics aren't out there. Clearly they are. But uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Alfred Korzynski, I think the semanticist said that the, the map is not the country. Mm. And I'm going to suggest the statistics are not the people. <laughs> so the map may be accurate and the statistics may be accurate, but they don't actually reflect the individual people who were surveyed to create the statistics. And, and so the last piece on this is if you take this belief, you can assign group identity. And then you go back to what you asked me last uh, previously about hierarchy. Again, it's either my group's going to be better than your group or your group's better than mine. And with all due respect, even to sports, we see this all the time. I mean, I hate to admit it today, but I, you know, I'm a Chicago kid who grew up a big bears fan. And so like, I mean, you know, that's like the worst thing that could have happened is the Packers <laughs> crush the Bears, right? But there's this, there's like this implicit, I mean, at a, some deep sociological, psychological level, even though I don't even care, it still impacts me decades later, right? So now that's something where intellectually I know it's irrelevant. It makes no difference. I haven't lived there for 40 years. And yet it still has this sort of eats at me inside, right? So now imagine that it was something you actually cared about and was an important piece of your overt identity. Yeah, yeah. Statistics are not the people. Wow, I love that. Statistics are not the people. Let that one sink in for a while. So let's get practical, (laughs) okay? Uh, Let's get practical here. So what's the practical... um, organizational application of all this learning about humility. Talk to you about, you know, someone's listening to this and saying, well, this all sounds like nice BS. This sounds like flighty, anarchistic bullshit, Um, you know, which is some people are going to say. Some people have told me that, some of the things that I've said. So what's the practical application? Let's, 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 let's address that for a minute, Ari. Well, let's, let's start with the biggest thing. If, if, if one believes, which I do, that Patrick Lencioni, who has a lot of best-selling business books and who is generally agreed, you know, others don't have to, but I would agree is one of the more insightful business writers. If he's saying that humility is one of the top three characteristics that you want for ideal team players and everybody in business wants ideal team players, then forget whatever I said. It just seems like a logical conclusion. We would try to find humble people. Mm-hmm. Uh, having never given this a whole lot of thought until I started to work on this project a few years ago, I wouldn't have had a clue what that really meant. Uh, Lencioni got me thinking about it a little bit, but I've now given it a whole lot more thought. Part of what I realized 
uh, you mentioned zinc train. So part of what I realized when I reflected is even though I had never paid any attention overtly to humility and we had no classes on it, we didn't discuss it really ever. In hindsight, I can tell you it was woven into most of the practices that mm -hmm. we had. Mm -hmm. So it's a longer conversation, but our training compact, uh, Maggie Bayless, uh, managing partner at Zinc Train, uh, wrote a wonderful uh, book called The Trainer's Toolkit, uh, Zinc Train Trainer's Toolkit. It's got a whole bunch of amazing stuff she created for us over 25 years about training tools. The training compact is in there. It sets both 100% responsibility on both the trainer and the trainee. So right from the beginning of your work, we're saying, like, we know we need your help. <laughs> we know you need our help. We're in this together. Uh, other things like servant leadership, which uh, I just I wrote about in part two of the book, which we learned from Robert Greenleaf, another great uh, influence on us. Servant leadership says that you and I as leaders serve the organization, not the other way around. So by definition, we're, we're, we're in a place of humility, right? We're coming to the staff asking how we can help them. Uh, other things, open book management, which you've done a lot of work around that we learned mm -hmm. from Jack Stack and Bo Burlingham's book, Great Game of Business. Uh, wonderful people, wonderful thinkers. So open book is telling everybody, we're trying to figure it out. We're all in it together. We need everybody's help. Uh, our bottom line change process, which I'm just writing about for the e my weekly e-news that'll come out uh, this week on Wednesday, uh, which you could put the link, I'm sure, to sign up for to, to access. Bottom line change is a change process that requires us as change leaders to get input from a diverse group of thinkers in the organization. So none of us can do it alone. So on and on, uh, I saw it through all of that. And then I, I guess I, I mean, I could go into greater depth, but... Uh, I, I guess in, in, in hindsight, I, I asked myself, like, you know, at the beginning of this, if you had asked me, can you train for humility? I would have said, no, it's just how people are born. But I really have completely changed that belief because I, I'm going to suggest humility is essentially a set of beliefs. Going back to that earlier conversation about the power of beliefs in business book and that out of that conversation, out of that set of beliefs, we start to behave, right? And so in truth, people who act in an egotistical domineering way generally are very insecure. Mm. Yeah, I'm blessed that I'm older, Ari. And uh, I have the good fortune of having been in a lot of companies, done a lot of work with companies, nowhere near Ed Edgar Schein's uh, exposure to companies, um, but I have been lucky enough to have seen, we'll call it the good and the bad, mm -hmm. uh, the humble and the not so humble over the years. And, and I uh, will side with you 100% and what you're talking about, that the organizations that I've seen and the books that I read that apply, it's it certainly, and again, this is a very practical addition to what we're talking about. This is my personal thing. This is an Ari's is that I've seen it. Yep. I've lived it. I've experienced it. I've helped coach people through uh, the dominant leader um, who believes and will never say, I don't know uh, if is, 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 thank goodness seems to be declining, but uh, it, it was never effective in the long term, anyhow. So Ari, uh, uh, forgive me for that editorial comment. During no, I love conversation. it. You know, um, again, the aging process has been good. Uh, I've learned a lot. Um, 
we could go on and on and on. I do want to ask this question, though, because uh, some people, again, may be thinking this, too. So does humble your whole team, your leadership, does humility, does that mean mediocrity? What, what, what does that mean? Can we still be great? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's, that's, that's one of a couple interesting things that I also learned from doing this work. I, again, I, I really wouldn't have been able to have this conversation with any kind of insight two years, two years ago or so, three years ago. So no, humility does not mean that you cannot pursue greatness. To the contrary, people who are humble know that they can get better, right? And if you combine that with the hungry part of Patrick Lencioni's mm-hmm. tri- triad uh, of characteristics or trio of characteristics, then of course you're going after improvement. So pursuing greatness is not in the least in conflict with humility. In fact, humility actually if you're conscious and aware and mindful self-awareness leads you to to go for greatness it does mean that when you get there you still understand if you get there you still understand that you didn't get there alone Mm -hmm. still understand i mean if you listen to any great athlete after they win a big game they always say essentially some version of yeah, we did pretty good, but we need to do better next time. And we made a lot of mistakes out there and we're going to get those corrected for the next game. If you listen to a a team that lost and played poorly and it's not a good team, they start by blaming. Hmm. You know, the refs did this, the defense didn't play well. You know, the coach didn't call my number and whatever it might be. And I, I think the same is true in business. So, so humility does not preclude striving for greatness. Well, if you're humble enough to ask for that help and to get feedback, you're going to learn things that you didn't know. It, it's, 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 Absolutely. I'm, over, I'm oversimplifying it, but, but that's, but that's the truth. If, if you, if you think you know everything, you may succeed for a certain period of time. You will not last long-term. A matter of fact, you'll become unhappy and your organization won't reach the levels that you wanted it to. So by saying, I don't know, and seeking help as you, and Paul, I've done over the years with your team, with your community of businesses and all the cool stuff that you've done at uh, Zergerman's um, is just uh, really, really superb. So uh, I'm going to say Ari's name again. It's Ari Weinswig. His company is Zingerman's. Uh, two websites to go to, zingermanscommunity.com and then zingtrain.com. So to wrap up, Ari, um, Anything uh, I should have asked you that I didn't? Anything that you'd like to point out to, to help us close uh, this discussion of humility? Well, I was going to say when you were talking about help, uh, Wayne Baker, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, has a very good book uh, about asking for help. So mm-hmm. people want some data. I'm I'm more intuitive, but he's a he's a business school professor here at the university, and he's done a lot of research around the power mm-hmm. of asking for help. So that's certainly part of it. Uh, I, I guess, Marty, I'll just, uh, the one thing that really uh, struck me as I moved through this work, I, I, when I started, I kept thinking about humility, as I think is pretty common, as if it were this characteristic that we either have or we don't have. And in that sense, uh, it's easy for any of us to start to judge others. Uh, judge ourselves. And I, I realize it's not all that helpful. And one day I was working on the pamphlet and I started to shift my mindset a little bit. And I realized, you know, when we study or talk about mindfulness, 
like no one's mindful all the time. <laughs> we know that we try to be, but we, we're all slipping and sliding. And then we do, you know, I do my morning journaling, people meditate, I go running, whatever we do to try to reground ourselves, get centered and stay mindful for minutes, maybe an hour, uh, whatever it might be. And I realized that if I shifted the language, uh, I, I, that would help me to reframe my belief about humility. So I started to look at it as humbleness, which when I looked it up, it turns out it's actually a real word. It's just hardly anybody uses it. Uh, and, and in that sense, like humble, we all want to be praised. We all want accolades. We all want recognition. And, and then similarly, I, I believe it's universal, even for those who don't admit it, that we all have anxiety. We all worry that we suck. We all worry that we're some kind of inherent loser and, and that we're all going back and forth between those two extremes of a continuum. Sometimes in like five minutes, you know, it, it's the nature of my existence. I could get an email from a customer or a staff member saying how great our work is. And then literally the next email can be like, I had the worst experience of my life. I can't, you know, and, and it can be literally one on top of the other. So Humbleness is, just becomes the effort to stay somewhat in the middle between the natural desire to be praised by others and the natural inclination to think that we're terrible. And that if we all just sort of understand that and embrace it, we come out ahead. And the last piece of that, as I started to look at the word humble, and I realized that it comes from humulus, which is uh, the Latin meaning grounded or from the earth. And I followed that through with my childhood Bible studies because Adam, uh, the first man, was comes from Adama in Hebrew, which means earth. And I, I started to realize that when we're humble, I, I really believe we're at our most human. And that only good things can come from that. When we honor our humanity, we're better able to connect. We work better together. We're more creative. We're calmer. Uh, and and the, and the community around us, whether it's our organization or the larger community around us, does better for it. I can't top I can't uh, top that one. So we're uh, we're going to stop there. Ari, as always, it's a pleasure and honor to speak with you. I I love your work. I love you. Um, and uh, congratulations on what you have achieved. And uh, my blessings, my good luck in uh, getting through all of this COVID-19 stuff uh, in the restaurant business. It's been a challenge. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, sharing your lessons with your team and, and doing the best you can. We're, we're trying. And uh, again, I think you have it but for people. But my direct email is ari at zingermans.com if people have questions. Uh, if they are interested in helping restaurants, you could link them to your show that uh, Bobby Stuckey and I did on the Restaurants Act, which we're still trying to get passed. And uh, I hope this is of help. It certainly helped me to do the learning. Thank you so much, Ari. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.